Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Katie Bella Show. I'm your host, Katrina Goodlett, aka Kitty Bella. 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 Sisters as 
well as people who I, uh, some of our black, hetero-identified black allies? How do we foster more nuanced narratives without the respectability politics getting in the way of our queer black uh, folk? What's happening today in our community? It's, it's, it's just a, a microcosm of the way white supremacy is set up. Trans black women are being killed, mostly by black men who know them very well. This is not an attack on my black men. These are just facts. Many trans black women, including myself, often talk of experiences of, uh, excuse me, of dealing with uh, that violence and aggression uh, that fosters in our community. Trans black women are just the fact of being killed by mostly black men. Um, Many trans black women also, including myself, talk of experiences of being misgendered by our gender-loving queer brothers as well as being told how a woman should look. Mm-hmm. We'll get into that, y'all. This objectifying of trans bodies is not only done by media, but also by our own circles. This shit must stop. I also would be amiss not to speak to the violence some of our black sisters have enacted upon um, our other black sisters, our black, our black trans women of color sisters. And I see it often on the comments of social media frauds as well as in person. Um, I have a few times spoke to the actual physical violence I encountered while in college, cheerleading for my basketball team, uh, my alma mater. I was attacked by a gang of black women for being transgender. No, not every black woman has hurt me. Yes, I have, and many of my sisters have loving relationships with black women, including family and friends. However, I know many of my sisters that have experienced transphobia and physical attacks as well. So tonight, let's have honest conversations, honest but also with context. Nobody is perfect. We are all hurting. Oppressed people hurt oppressed people. Like my goddess queen sister, Lord Ashley Hunter says, violence is never the answer. Unfortunately, so far in 2015, far too often, folks have chosen violence instead of compassion and love. But before we get to tonight's show, What's the tea? What is the tea? Can I get an ow? Ow. Later this week, members of Trans Women's Color Collective's leadership team are co-sponsoring the Trans Anti-Violence Convening in Chicago, where PWOC National Director Lord Hunter will be speaking. So shout out to her and shout out to PWOC. Also, PWOC will be hosting a leadership retreat this weekend for its team. And on next Monday, we'll be having our launch party at our nation's uh, Capital at our national headquarters on K Street. Pour into the work, y'all, of TWOCC. Organizations led by trans people of color are out there. Support them. TWOC was just in Switzerland last week speaking to the UN as part of a delegation. This work is getting done. Go to www.twocc.us. So... I would like to share briefly and talk about my comedy debut Saturday night. Yeah, y'all. What an amazing day for me. I started the day speaking on a panel at the Amnesty International Gathering at the Marriott Hotel Brooklyn Bridge. I was the only trans woman of color on the panel, surrounded by two white trans men who I was familiar with. When we talk about tokenization, it's important to look at what I just said. 
how I was tokenized uh, in that situation. But for me, I tried to look beyond that and utilize the situation, speak out against injustices. And I spoke to the structural and physical violence trans women of color face daily. I also spoke to the daily violence of lack of housing, lack of access to employment and health care. And I also spoke to the need to fund organizations like TWAP and Casa de Ruby, led by trans people of color. Now, if that wasn't fun and filled enough, I later on that night performed at Bad Bronx for the I'm Every Woman event. It was an event to honor transgender women of color. The show was headlined and starred in all trans women of color lineups. Yes, y'all, trans women of color can headline shows from spoken word to mezzo-soprano singing to myself, making my New York City stage debut as a comedian. It was amazing. It really, it truly was. Um, a lot of the feedback that I got was so positive. Um, all of the feedback I got was positive. And so for me, it was just affirming um, to know that my art was uh, striking a chord. So amazing to use art to empower, make people think and laugh. The memorable times for me, though, y'all, was backstage, the moments that the audience did not get to see, the dressing room kiki, the swapping of war stories, and the real tough talk sisters need to have. Thank you, Tyra Ross, for an excellent job hosting the event. Thank you to Sparkles, Elizabeth Rivera, who has been on this show with her Stop the Shade campaign, and Olympia Perez of Black Transmedia. You ladies slayed the night away with so much political revolutionary force. I am truly honored. So without further ado, let's introduce my panel. And as you've been listening to this show for a while, you know I love a good intro for my guests. <laughs> so let's start, of course, with the goddess herself, because that's how I always center my everything I do with the black trans woman. So Yaya Nicole will be first, a Detroit-based harpist. Um, let me explain what I'll do. I'll be introducing each guest. I'll be reading off their bio, and then I'll introduce each guest and bring each one after their bio, and then we'll do check-ins after that and then start the show. Yaya Nicole, a Detroit-based harpist, trans advocate, makeup-loving model. Yaya is a recent graduate from Wayne State University with a degree in music performance. Right. Featured in numerous local publications, including the Michigan-based LGBT news source, Between the Lines. Last year, she participated in Brothers, Sisters, Sons, and Daughters, a campaign for Barney as one of the 17 transgender models and was featured in the March 2014 Vogue magazine. Yaya is an ambassador of the national organization PWOP, right, and has guest co-hosted right here on the Kitty Bella Show and has been a guest and frequent contributor to the show. And I just love all the support she gives the show. Yaya recently launched her website, ayasimone.com, and is working towards increasing her visibility and participation in advocacy work. I bring you guys Miss Yaya Simone. <laughs> Yaya, are hey. you there? Hey. hey. Hi, all right. y'all. Hi. Good to be here. <laughs> yes, let's bring, <laughs> yes, hold your, hold your thought, Let me bring on uh, George. Next. We okay. have George Matthew Johnson, who was born in Plainfield, New Jersey. He has a bachelor's degree in finance from Virginia, Uni- Virginia Union University and a master's degree oh, in human resource development from Bowie State University. Mm. 
He currently works as a community health worker for us helping us people and for living in Washington, D.C., in the field of HIV. He is an advocate, activist in the realms of HIV, AIDS, LGBTQ rights, and social justice. He has been published in usedmagonline.com, rollerboot.org, postcollege, ebony.com, and blogs on his website at www.imgmjohnson.com. Welcome, everyone. George Johnson. George, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Hi. How are you? I'm doing great this evening. How are you doing? Good. Let's get to our next Dragon Slayer. Frida Grant. Frida is a women's studies graduate student at Southern Connecticut State University. Her research interests include hip-hop, hip-hop feminism, black study, black feminism, and the role of women within past and contemporary black liberation movements. Frida can be found blogging and sharing her amazing work on her website, www.somethinglight.com. Welcome, everyone. Scholar, goddess, Rita. Hey, everybody. Yes, ma'am. How are you? Good. How are you? And last but not least, our last guest. Zeli Imani. Zeli is a writer, photographer, activist, teacher based in North Jersey. He is also the creator and voice behind Black Culture, a blog created to explore and expose Black history and Black culture through a series of stories, photos, and short films. Zeli can be found amplifying Black voices on his blogging site, black-culture.com. And welcome, everybody, our last Flair of the evening, Zelly. <laughs> Zelly, are you there? Yes, I'm here. Yes, we have everybody here. We did it. Yes. Hey, everyone. How is everyone doing tonight? So, first, let me thank you guys for being here tonight. You could have chose to spend your precious time doing anything else. Um, and you chose to spend it with me and, and, and my amazing listeners and audience and your listeners and your supporters. So let's go around the circle. Um, let's start with, I guess, how I introduced everyone in. Let's start with Yaya. So just give a brief check-in and um, and just go, just a brief check-in. Um, Yaya, go. How are you? Uh, I'm fine. Just got home. I actually just got finished uh, talking, meeting up with Elle. So, um, oh, that was shout really out fun. to Elle. Yes. Shout out to Elle, her yes. regional coordinator of Get Equal and Leadership Team at Tiwa. Yeah, um, I mean, as far as checking, I mean, I'm pretty cool. Like, life's been pretty good. Um, I have a new job prospect, possibly working at a partnership Michigan. So I'm hoping that goes through, putting it out there in the universe. Um, but other than that, like, I'm pretty cool. You know, wonderful, amazing. <laughs> right, right. That's what it's about. George, how are you doing this Okay. Week? I'm actually doing well this evening. I am uh, still currently at work because uh, oh, I, uh, <laughs> I run a, a brand-new <laughs> grant program in D.C., uh, so I'm trying to get some things together because we have to present to the higher-ups tomorrow. But uh, I'm good just living and walking in my truth and, Ready to uh, 
partaking in these events. Absolutely. Thank you so much for fostering that in. Frida, how are you, Ms. Grant? I am doing amazing. I think that's it. Yeah, everything's great. We're hey. great. Just trying to finish up this. <laughs> <laughs> trying to finish up this. Yes. Everything, everything's amazing. <laughs> okay, okay. And Zelly? Yes, I'm feeling real empowered right now with A1 on this panel. So I'm doing excellent. Hey. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, say hey to each other. Yes, let's get into it. Okay, so I would be amiss not to, of course, to start with talking about the black trans woman. Right, because the show is hosted by a black trans woman. <laughs> so, of course, Work. that means I'm coming. Right, that means I'm coming to you, Yaya. Um, so for me, um, I would, would like to start by talking about something positive, which would be your relationship. Yaya, you are in a loving, uh, healthy relationship with a black man who is secure in his identity. Um, Unfortunately, many of our men are shamed for being with us and are not secure in themselves, like Troy. Um, However, this shaming can become internalized for us because it is, in fact, about us. Even though the men are being shamed, it is about being with us. My question to you, Yaya, is, my first question is, why do you think so many of our black men are shamed for loving up on girls like us? Um, several things. Um, I think, like, one of the main re- reasons would be just the, the ostracization that trans women experience, the othering, the ignorance and misunderstanding about what transness and what trans, who trans women are. So that, you know, also causes, like, fear and, like, just inevitable just um, clashing with, um, I guess, like, with trans women and, and who we are. Like, in a sense, I think just our conditioning and just, like, our, the binary, the gender binary and these strict gender roles that were put in place, Trans women mm-hmm. symbolize, like, trans women don't ascribe to that binary. It's, like, an anomaly in a binary. And it's just kind of like trans people are kind of like the, I guess, just, pro- like, proof that the binary just does not account for everyone. And it can cause a lot of, like, issues with finding um, love, and it can cause a lot of issues with, um, actualizing and dealing with feelings surrounding the attraction to our bodies. I think absolutely. That's yeah, absolutely. And like when I when I look at the question, I often ask myself, like, girl, like, I'm like, ain't shit shameful about being with me? I'm a queen goddess. Like, can we feel like <laughs> okay. this shit back? I'm dead. Me. <laughs> like, I'm just like, I'm not understanding why uh, it occurs so much like this. Um, I want to bring in um, Zelly. Um, Zelly, why do you think so many of our brothers um, are ashamed for loving trans women of color? Um, not, I know that you may not have uh, necessarily experience in terms of uh, being with a trans woman of color, but I just want you to speak from a perspective of just a black man who sees the environment that goes on in our community. Um, can you just speak to that? Why do you think so many of our brothers are shamed for loving girls like us? 
Um, let me think. I think a lot has to do with ignorance and this culture that we oh. have. And I think that that culture sometimes is perpetuated by the church. And you know how the oh. black church is very integral to the black community and how a lot of homophobia and a lot of transphobia is really perpetuated by the church. Like, even though, say, for example, the black community tries to be, you know, more progressive or acts like they're more radical, they're really conservative sexually, and and that becomes a problem, you know, how we really have these narrow, these narrow definitions of gender, as well as we don't really have those conversations ever. Like, you never have conversations about transgender or homosexuality until maybe you get older. So you never even introduce to that as a child to even learn about it. Absolutely. Um, I'm glad you brought that part in about the church. That is uh, that's something I've seen and noticed as well. Um, George, did you have any thoughts on this? Uh, absolutely. Um, and And honestly, I actually grew up with uh, transgender cousins in my family, so uh, I was okay. able to, you know, witness um, the whole transitioning mm-hmm. process as a young child and trying to come into mm-hmm. myself and, you know, being able to see that. But honestly, within the uh, community, especially the black, queer, gay community, I think at times, you know, it may not be the most uh, important thing, but there is a tinge of jealousy um, when we see, mm. uh, a, a, you know, a fine black man with a, a trans woman. We're like, well, you know, what what does she have I don't have? Or, you know, so mm-hmm. uh, I think it, it can be a little bit of a competitive nature that uh, comes up. And so we kind of uh, change and uh you know, try and disregard the uh, transgender within our own community a lot of times. And I think that that just filters directly into also shaming the men that they happen to be with. Ashley, absolutely. Um, Yaya, can you speak to that uh, as as to what George is talking about? Um, Have you experienced that in any of your relationships? Um. I guess I have in, like, a lot of senses, but, like, just in dealing with, um, like, cis people, I think it's just an idea, like, I think it's really coming from the idea that trans bodies are considered undesirable. And so when cis people see a, a another cis person, like, with forming, forming relationships or forming feelings for a person of trans experience, it's almost like, how dare you like this undesirable? You know, this is trash. You should not like that. And if you do, it's something wrong with you. So I think a lot of that stems from that, including, like, particularly, like, um, cis women, when they see a trans woman, as I say, prospering, just doing her own thing, they get upset because, you know, everything that they've been taught, you know, that cis people have been taught, that we have all been taught, is that, you know, this this binary this binary is um is the standard is the blueprint and right. you should only want to fulfill and to be a part of that binary and if you have feelings for or an affinity for anything outside of that binary then you are wrong or um something you know something is wrong with you 
So I think, and I think cis women kind of, kind of see that as like, oh, this person is considered undesirable. Why does a person like you like a person like her or him or them? Absolutely, absolutely. Thank you for bringing that up. Frida, let's bring Frida into the conversation. Frida, uh, what are your thoughts? I mean, I can just piggyback off what everyone has said already. But I I definitely think it stems from the idea of, like, patriarchy and then bringing it smaller, just the ways that black men are able to, like, display their masculinity. And it's restricting just within itself. So when you have a group of individuals who are told that you have to be, like, hypersexual or overly aggressive, and, like, that's what makes a man to be open and say, hey, I, I'm attracted to trans women, that might be looked at as a, you know, a flaw to your manhood. And when in reality you, you, you're attracted to who you're attracted to, you date who you want to date, it has nothing to do with it. But I think it's just being told and having to perform your masculinity the way that you're supposed to. And I think, um, mm-hmm. as Yaya mentioned, it's the same thing with cisgendered women. You know, we're said, this is what a woman is supposed to look like. And if you see something that goes against that, then it's problematic because we're mm. still trying to unpack our own issues mm. and deal with that and instead of addressing our issues it's easier to put you know put them out to someone else so my my question would be like how do we change this narrative how do we foster um an environment for black men um to not be shamed and to um for black trans women to be loved um in terms of dating and relationships um, how do we foster that? How, how do we work towards that? How do we get there? Or is that the goal or not? <laughs> I think it's, it's, it's definitely the goal. And I I'm, I think, like, the only way is to have, like, open and honest conversations, like the way that we're, you know, having now, because this is years and years of conditioning that people mm-hmm. have, and it's not going to okay. go away okay. tomorrow or Thanks. the next day. And you have to... It's hard as hell to unteach a grown person. Right. And sometimes you have to make people uncomfortable before you can actually get through. So I think we need to have, like, these in-your-face open conversations mm. because after you you become uncomfortable, at some point you're going to be forced to listen. I think um, something else, too, that um, we keep talking about why men are ashamed but we also have to think about like why men allow themselves to be shamed. And I think oh. one of those reasons is because it's this access to women's bodies and that when a straight male gets accused or suspected of being, you know, homosexual or, you know, being attracted to trans women, he loses that access to, you know, um, straight cis women because now and sometimes they don't want to deal with a, a a bisexual man or a man who likes or attracted to transgender women. So they never give that push back. Mm. Absolutely. Absolutely. George, uh, yeah, yeah, any thoughts? Uh, you guys are good? We can move on. No, 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 it's okay. If you guys don't have any thoughts, it's okay. We can move on. Um, no, I'm sorry, go ahead. You going to say something, Yaya? Oh, no, I was actually, I was going to let it go before I say anything. 
No, girl, don't let it go. <laughs> um, let's go over to um, Frida. Frida, you have been mm-hmm. very forthcoming. You have been very forthcoming and open in your academic work as well as your professional work for the need to include all aspects of our black community in order for us to move forward, especially the inclusion of trans women of color. Um, Why is it so important to you to be inclusive of all narratives? I think because so often, like, we've been in a space where our voices, just black voices, aren't heard. So it's, I feel like it would be hypocritical for me to say, hey, you know, I'm all about, like, equality and I'm all about, you know, fighting for black people and making sure our voices are heard if I'm not making sure that everyone's voices are heard in our community, you know, because it's not just about straight black folk out here who are trying to do whatever they want to do, you know, and yeah, we have issues, but we also have, you know, trans women and other groups of people who are having the same issue. So if we're going to create like an open space that's accessible for everyone, it needs to be open and accessible for everyone because regardless of what, you know, we can, talk about like the race but we know that race class and gender intersect in a way to make issues a lot harder for people so why not if we're going to do it let's just do it and we can't do it without making sure that everyone gets gets you know the ending result which is like freedom and equality absolutely thank you for fostering that in that was some true future okay. folk thank you come in Mm-hmm. They are. They are. Um, actually, let me ask Zelly sort of the same thing because he, as well, similar to Frida, has been very um, has been a very good possibility model on amplifying and uh, being inclusive of various segments of our Black community. Why is that so important to you, Zelly? I think one of the things that's important is because, like you said. When we talk about blackness, we really have to realize the diversity of blackness and that's not mm-hmm. a big monolith, that is creative, it's vibrant, and has all these different types of sections, and it's just not one authentic blackness. It's just not one mm. type of black person, and we have to recognize that. And so when we talk about Black Lives Matter, like you said, that we have to talk about all black lives matter, everybody, all sections, all inclusive and in order to do, do that, we also always have to reframe it and take away from the center of black male bodies from that discussion, something almost like queering black liberation. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, George, any thoughts? I mean, yeah, just to piggyback off of that, I mean, I, I talk about it all the time. You see uh, everyone mm-hmm. hashtagging Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, and then the next tweet is, Fag this, and then the next tweet is, mm-hmm. you know, I don't, I don't ask for trans this, or, oh, they mm-hmm. out there tricking, she deserved to die because they out there tricking people, and, you know, it's like oh. they, live in these, they live in these silos oh. of, like, you know, like, the intersectionality of blackness doesn't exist, like, you can't be black and gay, or you can't be black and trans and gay, and you, you can't be this and this and this, and also black, and so they try and, like, remove certain sections of Black Lives Matter, like, it's a... Like, it's not an all-or-nothing thing. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. And for me, that for me that speaks to the respectability. And it goes back to what Z was saying in terms of the religious, um, the organizations and religious institutions. And so for me, that respectability sometimes gets rooted 
um, within our culture, and it, it causes shaming of our sisters without peeling back the layers and saying, well, why are these women out here, um, uh, you know, working? Why are they working girls? Is it because they want to be out there, or is it because no one else will hire them? You know, so I think that a lot of people don't, like, think. <laughs> I think that's clear okay. in this world. Right. And so instead of peeling back and saying, why are these things happening? Why are so many of our black men being executed in the street? Why are so many of our uh, black queer gay brothers being discriminated against? Why are so many of our uh, trans women of color being murdered in the streets? It's because of the systemic issues that are occurring, and, like, folks don't really want to take a look at it, and they just want to, like, point the finger at the easiest target. Oh, she deserved that. She, you know, a lot of shaming, and it's just, it's really, it's sad. It really is sad. And so um, I just, I'm hopeful that, you know, things will definitely um, change for the better. You guys hopeful as well or not? (laughs) (laughs) Y'all kind of quiet over there Wait a minute, where's my cricket? Mm -mm. Mm -mm. Where's my cricket? I'm giving y'all steam cricket I'm about to bring in I'm about to bring in some callers Um, Not right now, but in a few moments I see we do have a few callers in the line So guys, let's shout out the callers There are callers in the line listening Hey. Yes. Yes. Hey. Right. Oh. Let's see. Uh, I want to. Right. I want to um pivot over to George. George, um, shaming also occurs for queer black gay men who are considered not masculine enough or too feminine. Have you had to navigate that kind of space or topic? And how did you handle it? Uh well yes I I've definitely had to navigate that space um I think for me it it became a lot easier to navigate the space when I became fully accepting of myself uh I you know you you kind of navigate through life uh trying to fit into this box of respectability politics uh especially I went to an HBCU so you know it was very the N word and wear your pants like this and do this and act like this and if you're going to pledge a fraternity, you got to be like this. You can't be out like this. And uh, since moving to D.C., I've just met some great queer uh, people of color and kind of started walking into my own uh, space. And within me living in my own truth, it like what other people's thoughts were of me growing up just stopped mattering. And uh, I, I, I chose to then be a vessel to try and make the journey for somebody else younger than me easier. And so, like, you know, I made it my life's mission to kind of take the arrows and to take the bullets and to take, you know, the hate and the shade that someone will throw at me so that my little cousin, who may be a queer person of color that's not even born yet, doesn't have to go through what I went through. It doesn't have to navigate that space of being the first black male to graduate from, you know, college in the family. So I can't be gay. I can't be queer. I can't be different because I got to, you know, uphold this uh, pedestal or, you know, you get placed on a pedestal a lot of times in your families, uh, so you got to try and uphold this uh, title that you don't feel like you'll ever uh, truly achieve if you come out or if you fully embrace who you are. And so that's, that's like my life mission is just like for others to just embrace who they are and for me to live in my truth to help other people live in theirs. <laughs> 
Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You just turned it. I'm like, yes, come through. <laughs> okay, come yes. through. Right. He, like, totally reversed and empowered it. It was like, yes, it is. Yes, challenge me. Um, I've never heard it articulated like that before. It's very fascinating. Um, are you guys up for a caller? Let's take a caller. Sure, sure thing. Yes, take some. Yes, let's take one. Um, the last mother. four. Yes, the last four. I'm going to say your last four. And if you want to talk, speak. If not, don't say anything, and I'll cut you off and move on. The last four is 3112. 3112, you're on the Kitty Bella Show. Good evening. Hello, 
um, part of the way that I bring compassion into my work is that I just have to remember that these things that we are combating um, are so ingrained because of generations of enslavement. Um, And they really are not, um, they're really not genuine to the black human experience. Um, We come from cultures that loved the black trans woman. We come from cultures that had, um, as they say, gay love, all of these things that, um, you know, it seems to present itself in a way that is um, negative now and that there's a lot of backlash. I think that backlash is because people are really fighting against generations of white supremacy, like enslaving our people. Um, I just watched this Kerry Washington, um, you know, speech for GLAAD, and it was very ironic because, Terry Washington was, like, saying all this radical revolutionary things about, like, we need diversity even within the LGBTQ community, meaning that we need more representation of people of color within those communities on TV. And then when you look into the audience, there's a sea of white men. Mm. And so this is, this is our reality. This, this is our reality. So I just wanted to bring that into the conversation. Absolutely. Oh, my. Thank you, Lady Dang. I love y'all. I love yes. you, girl. <laughs> I just lost it. Did she say sea of whiteness, honey? Yes, she did it. Oh, please tweet that one. Mm. Um, can each of my panelists tell me if a positive experience with a friend or family member that fostered positive communication um, around LGBT issues or a particular situation? Um, this is an open question to all whoever wants to answer first. Um, but just have a positive experience with a friend or family member. Um, I can go. Um, um, <laughs> I can say I can go. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so go ahead, I actually I actually wrote an article about it. Uh, it was like my Talk coming about out. It. There piece. you go. Plug. And it was called um, "Coming Out of the Closet." I apparently was never in, and uh, oh. it, it was just it just was talking about how like you know I built up all this courage to like finally call my mother and tell her and like you know I'm like ready on the brink of crying and I'm like I'm like okay I'm gay and she's like well I was like 95% sure and so I was like okay like what was the 5% like and I guess I haven't really been hiding it that well and you know it was just like a very easy uh conversation to have and then I you know then I called my grandmother to try and have a conversation and she's like well what the you know, what the hell else is new? Like, like, of course we knew you were gay. Like, why are you calling us with this stupidness? But it's like, um, it just was um, my family, because, again, growing up with transgender and growing up with um, gay individuals, um, well, like my mother said, she, you know, she was like, we've had gay family members for 40, 50, 60 years. You know, we've always had gay family members. It was just nice to have that narrative uh where, you know, because there are a lot of horror stories, and so I was kind of blessed to not necessarily have the horror story, but I don't take Mm -hmm. that I didn't have it for granted. And so, again, that's why I do the work to try and make someone else not have a horror story and to to create more positive uh, coming out stories and coming out experiences, uh, you know, and foster that type of communication within other families. And uh, a lot of times from 
some of the stuff I write is a little extreme, but people back home in our city, it's a little urban from where I'm from, but they read it, and then they go back and talk to their kids, and when I go home, they're like, you know, I'm glad you said this. I'm glad you, because, you know, now I have this relationship with my child that I never thought, right. or, you know, now it's breaking these barriers down just because you're out here talking about it, uh, you know, in a way, just getting that conversation started within black families. Absolutely. Um, Zelly, why do you think that's something that's not uh, put out there question enough? You know, we see the media depictions, especially we could talk about empire and, you know, how they depict and everything, but we know that there are positive, loving, affirming relationships out there. Um, how do we get that message out there more? We really have to start uplifting um, our own media because there's a lot of brilliant things, web series that's on YouTube. We really need to start uplifting that and celebrating those stories. And because the the mass media, right, especially with television mm. and TV shows, they are tasked with maintaining, you know, patriarchy or, you know, white male and cis patriarchy and all these heteronormative dialogues. They are maintaining it, maintaining, maintaining it. So they're not going to have that diversity that maybe that represents what society really is. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yaya, did you want to say something? Um, hmm. Like, I guess, are, are you talking about, what's the actual question? I'm sorry. In terms of, in terms of, uh, you're, okay, well, the original question was asking George about uh, giving a positive example of relationships within uh, his family. Uh, and so I guess you can answer that or you can talk about the bigger picture, which Zelly was talking about, uh, amplifying the media and such. Okay. Um, so well, however you want to tap I guess I don't have, like, a recent, I guess, incident of, like, positivity with my family. But overall, I can just speak and say that over the years, uh, as I've been, as I've just been living my truth, my family has come around, and honestly, my my mother and I have gotten so much closer in the recent like year or so. She's starting, she's really starting to understand where I'm coming from and understand my womanhood and my truth and what that means for me and what that and how that makes me happy and fulfills me to no end. And I think at that point, like, recently she's just realized how important being myself has been true, you know, to keeping, my, keeping myself alive, honestly. And I think with that deeper understanding, my, me and my mother have gotten so much closer. So that would be my positive experience. But Absolutely. We definitely need to do more, particularly people who are not, like, in the trans community to uplift trans narratives. I feel like more black mm. women should be uplifting the narratives of trans men because of trans people, um, because um, talk about and it. also cis women, just cis people in general. I think we need to. I think cis people need to stand up and and include us in the conversation because a lot of times trans narratives are swept under the rug or only talk, told, you know, in like broadcasted between trans people when mm-hmm. you know people with more access can definitely boost us and help uplift mm-hmm. our narrative. And if, I feel like if you want to show solidarity, uplift our narratives and, you know, buy into us, we are valuable, um, you know, and we are blackness. 
And I think that I, I just want more people to understand that trans people can be black too and, it's, and the diversity of transness should be valued and uplifted. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up um, in terms of the erasure that often happens mm-hmm. within our movement because that's something mm-hmm. that um, I've experienced, which is shade within our LGBT community. Um, I've experienced firsthand some of our quote-unquote leaders engaging in shady behavior. And when you check them on it, they become defensive and they get caught up in their feelings. And so I just would like to explain something as a trans woman of color. My life is always on the line, so this shit is personal. If I'm constantly erased, right, if I'm constantly erased by white supremacy and I walk into spaces where I think it's safe and get erased still, then what Mm. the fuck is that about? But I think, like, that's that's an issue with just white supremacy within itself, you know, and I think of myself, I'm one of a few black women who is, you know, in a women's studies program, and you know that is very white, that's very middle class, that's very privileged, and a lot of times our stories get erased or it's very watered down, and like you mentioned, Katrina, if you say something, then, you know, you're combative or they're defensive, and then it's just like, it's a conflict that you don't want to have, and I wish that a lot of, you know, cisgender, straight black women understood that, too, because if we see that we're both fighting the same struggle and we're both fighting for the same thing, why the hell am I going to fight my sister? Mm. You know, like, you right. and I, at the end of the day, are, we're going through the same exact thing, whether it's with the LGBTQ community, whether it's with some white feminists, whether it's with whomever, we're going through right. the same thing. Mm-hmm. So why not come together and really just kill it? Because that's, that's what that's what needs to happen. Right. For lack of a better word. Right. But it's, we have to like unpack all of that stuff because like, I'm not fighting you. Our goal is right. to like end white supremacy or attack it head on. So why am I wasting my time? Mm-hmm. Right, like, I'll give you a perfect example. If you are a black cis person, you're not trans, you don't identify as gender nonconforming or intersex, um, you're meeting a trans person for the first time. Instead of meeting them and giving them, like, a sheepish, corny-ass hello, a fake smile, a casual glance of the eyes, but your eyes sort of wander and check to see if they have an Adam's apple or if they shave today. Mm-hmm, we see everything, guys. Oh, let's just lay that on the <laughs> Right, let's just lay that on the table. Don't, like, don't objectify us with your eyes because we can see you. Um, how about you actually engage with the trans person? Hi, such and such. Tell me about the work you do. Where are you from? I'm not saying act like y'all best friends, but shit, don't act like you give zero fucks about me either. And then later on at night, go on social media talking about free the black trans woman. That's that <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, ab- absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, and I, I hear it, and I, I hear it all the time, you know, within with straight black women. Oh, this person looks like this, or she looks like, mm-hmm. and it's like, what does, what, what does that have to do with anything? Or she looks like a man. Like, what, what does that have to do with anything? Because the same way that you're casting judgment on her, I can guarantee you that someone is looking at you the same way. And it's going to be, oh. well, her hair is nappy. Her skin looks like this. She oh. don't, She shouldn't have those jeans on or whatever. Like, we're wasting our time hating each other. It, it's pointless. Mm. 
Because at Absolutely. the end of the day, black women are getting killed and black trans women are getting killed. So what? Absolutely. Are we going to sit and argue or are we going to try to find, fix the problem? Yeah, yeah, did you have any thoughts, Zelly? Oh, yeah. Um, I said, like, I agree with uh, Frida. Like, we are wasting our time hating each other. But also, I do want to make a specific, like, point about, like, how just watch how, how because see how cis people, when they deal with trans people, like, um, once they realize or once um, a cis person tends to, like, read a person as trans, they tend to pick trans people apart for their consumption for, mm-hmm. like, you know, for the, whether it's, like, physically or, like, just, like, looking at mannerisms. And they kind of, like, we turn, trans people turn less into, like, human beings, more like human beings, and mean, I'm sorry, trans people seem less like human beings and start being seen as science projects to be picked apart mm-hmm. for consumption. Mm-hmm. And I think that's, like, something mm-hmm. that needs to be addressed. Um, Absolutely. We are human beings, and we are not to be, we're not for cis people's consumption or entertainment mm. or, you know. Absolutely. Or for their use of and to be disposed of. We are human beings Absolutely. and we are valued. We're not science projects. And I think that needs to be said. So, absolutely, I absolutely. agree. One hundred, absolutely. Yes. George, um, do you have any experiences you can talk of of erasure that you have felt in certain spaces? Well, I as a queer black gay man. And and see, I wasn't even going to speak on me. I was going to speak just like in the field, like oh. uh, on the clinical side. When I'm oh, out, oh, you know, oh. doing capacity building and. And you go into these centers and, you know, everybody throws up LGBT and then, you know, the first question is like, okay, well, what's the L services here? What are the, you know, the gay services? What are the bisexual services? If you get to transgender, you're like, well, what are the transgender services? And like, oh, we don't have any. <laughs> and you just like, you just have to take like a, you know, hmm. pause and like, okay, well, I see the T on the side. Oh, you know, you just have to do it. Or, you know, you get like these really crazy responses like, like really, like <laughs> and so the erasure even within the clinical side of things mm. is very real. You have all these, you know, black uh, where they say they're LGBT promoters or they're LGBT spaces or parties, but there never is like a party that you know just designated to making sure that there is a space for transgender. And it's the erasure with, and like I said, that creates the erasure with even within our community clinically, uh, on a social level, um, and on just many different levels. So that's what I wanted to speak to. Uh, I don't, yeah, I mean, I, I experience erasure, but I damn sure don't experience it as much as, you know, the transgender community. So <laughs> this is not even comparable. <laughs> Absolutely, Ashe. Azeli, did you want to interject in? Um, no, not this time. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. He tried it. Okay. He tried it. <laughs> you can't get away that easy, Z. Um, I'll wait. Because I'm coming. I'm coming back to you. We're gonna. Um, I'm gonna uh, ask you a different question. Um, okay. Why is it? And Frida touched on this so beautifully already. But I'd like to hear from you. Um, why is it? so important for our black community to focus on healing rather than hating? Hmm. 
Well, there's a lot of hurt going on in the black community because we really ostracize. We really ostracize our own family members and erase our own family members. And we really need that that space, you know, that space and time to really share, heal, and discuss, have this these vital conversations where we can imagine other worlds together and dream up new ways of meeting our, our needs. And we don't really have that going on in the black community, that real honest dialogue, that real honest healing to really come together and stop ostracizing and pushing away people who are not like us, who don't fit into these narrow notions of what society tells us they should fit into. Absolutely. Uh, I totally agree with that. Uh, Anybody has any other thought on that before I move on? About about the um about what but you know, no about what like, no about what no what no what just that I'm sorry I said about what Zelly just said can you hear me Yeah now I can um I think no, I was just yeah, saying if anybody I, had I anything really... to piggyback off of that Oh okay mm. um I guess like I could talk about like what human looks like for me or like what I would think human right. for the rest of would be. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we can heal by unpacking. We have to heal by by washing away the surface level stuff and getting to the root issue. Mm. Um, and we it it requires internal work. A lot of the work is internal. We have to undo those things that we've been taught. We have to challenge those those ideas and those like and shift our paradigms to something to more um, empathetic um, thoughts, empathetic ideas, the ones that um, more ideas that are inclusive. You need to, you know, think of ways on how we can be more empathetic to marginalized people in our own community and to be more um, friendly for each other, which kind of like looks like for me, which is unpacking those those ideas, those negative ideas. My question has always been, like, how do you recognize or how do you get people to recognize the humanity of others that are constantly dehumanized, right? Like, how do you get people mm-hmm. to automatically make that switch to people who are constantly dehumanized by the community or by society? Because I remember reading a study that says that a lot of men – don't believe or don't fight for women's rights until they have daughters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So how do you make that switch without having someone, um, you know, who has a friend that's transgender or someone in the community that's transgender get killed before they say, hey, I'm going to be empathetic to this to this cause? Mm. Absolutely. You're bringing in some very uh, nuanced thoughts here, Z. Um, how do we? How do we get there? That definitely is the question. Um, it starts let's with a call. Oh. Oh! We have an answer. <laughs> <laughs> it starts with Google, honey. Mm-hmm. Google works for everyone. Okay. <laughs> right. Let's wake it up. Yes. Absolutely. It does. I think, um, let's, go ahead. Mm-hmm. No, I was just saying, I also think it starts from, one, Google, but then also um, dialoguing and also, um, I guess, believing 
the experiences of marginalized communities. Because I guess, like, in a lot of places, like, I've experienced a lot of times where I've told my story and I've, you know, talked about my experiences, and it was almost kind of like people needed a proof of my oppression, a proof of whatever. Mm -hmm. So it's like, why do I have to be qualified to be oppressed? Like, who does that? Like, I simply am, and it would just help me and you in our struggle, like, for liberation, for you to simply believe my experience to be true mm-hmm. and valid. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Hey, hey Kitty, go I, off. I say something real quick? Here you go. Hi, Troy. Join us. <laughs> Welcome. Oh, yes, Troy. Well, okay. Anyway, um, uh, just real quick. Uh, the one thing that that uh, you know a lot of trans attracted men need to need to do is to step outside of that fear, because a lot of that fear is, is, is imagined. Because there are so many people who are who, who there's so many guys who are attracted to trans women. Uh, you know your, your brothers, your cousins, you know you know your, your best friend, you know, and and you're hiding and ducking and dodging, and they're doing the same thing you're doing, and it's amazing when. You find those things out. It's amazing that when you are out, when you are, you know, not ashamed, how many people come to you in confidence and say, oh, man, you know, I, I knew a girl in college or I dated a girl a long time ago, but at the end result was always I was afraid and I ran away from it. And it's it's stepping outside of that fear and, and, and realizing that all you're doing is hurting yourself as well as hurting that, that you know, that trans woman that, that, that you are with and giving uh, part-time and, and half, half love to. Absolutely. Hello? Somebody was about to say something? Mm-mm. Guys, Troy's there? Hello? Am I not Hello? Hello? Guys, Hello? Yeah, I'm there. Oh, okay. Yes. I'm like, I, I wasn't sure what was going on. Um, Troy, you're still there? Yes, I am. Oh. Oh, okay. That was it? You were done? Oh, I was done. I'm, I'm not going to talk. Oh, okay. Thank you. Yes, thank you. Oh, I'm like, you just said it and then he dropped it like it was like, oh, whoa. Let's take one last caller, 8124. 8124, you're on the Kitty Bella Show. Hello. How you doing? Hi, who's this? What's your name? This is Ray. Hey, Ray. Hey, Ray. Hello. How y'all doing? Great. Did you have a comment or question? (laughs) Yeah, um, I've been listening for a while. Um, I I had a lot of good points. Um, Something that I wanted to say, um, I'm a masculine-identified lesbian. And a lot of times with us, it's like we kind of get caught up in this whole masculinity thing, and we end up, like, emulating a lot of negative behaviors and problematic views, you know, from men, like we've been around men. And, you know, even though we're gay, you know, a lot of us are homophobic and transphobic, and, like, we treat gay men badly and trans women, and we're like, oh, what is this? You're supposed to be this. You're supposed to do that. You know, like, it's very important mm-hmm. 
to check your privilege because being a masculine identified lesbian, you you do have a form of male privilege, and it's important that mm-hmm. you you have to be aware of that because there was a time where I was that same way, you know, like just ignorant as fuck, like all oh, these fags and blah blah blah, like. But I'm a dyke, <laughs> so what do I look like, you know? Um, mm-hmm. judging you or treating you badly, you know, because you right. do what you right. want to do, you dress right. how you want to dress, and I dress this way, you know, like, I think it's important within the, the LGBT community that that we have to accept each other because, you know, it's like we don't even understand or accept each other, and it's like we want cis people and straight people to understand, but, like, you know, how can I want you to accept me you know, being a lesbian, and I don't accept my brothers, you know, for being gay. Like, I think we had to we had to check our privilege and and really make sure that we're not being hypocrites. Oh yes, that's Shay. Thank you for bringing I that agree. in. Did anybody want to? Um, yeah, I agree. Did anybody want to touch on that? Joyce, I mean, I just say? I I just wanted to like touch on the idea of privilege, you know, and. Just checking privilege all across the board. And in the beginning, um, Katrina, you talked about, you know, trans women being killed and, you know, or they are just quick to reduce them as a streetwalker or someone who's, you know, a a prostitute and, like, they're demonized because of it. But then when you look at, like, in the white feminist movement, you know, women have agency if they want to be sex workers. That's okay, you know, and and it's, it's accepted and they're not demonize as long as they're in a safe situation and they want to engage in selling mm. sex like it's your body and you can do that right because they have mm. that privilege and that privilege awards them that and you know there's privilege with gender there's privilege in the way that you dress and the way that you present your gender so once again like it's hard and you know no one wants to address like their privilege especially when they're coming from a marginalized group because we want to think like yo we're all we're all getting beat up but there's still certain privileges that you have so just, you know, not being afraid to, like, check in with yourself every once in a while and say, like, yo, like, am I using my privilege right now? And how is someone else from another group who doesn't have as many privileges as I do, you know, like, how are they being treated? Because you have it, and you have to be able to, you know, like like you said, like, check in, use it, and even you're using your privilege to get to your goal, you know what I mean? Like, I know that I have privilege as a straight black woman. So why not use my privilege to help someone else? Right, yes, yes. Um Privilege is privilege is a motherfucker. Zelly, can we um when you get it you want to use it, right? Right. Absolutely. Like we always operate on this idea that there's a scarcity of liberation that Oh, and we have we have to really look at that differently and realize that I can't get free unless my trans sisters are free. You know, I can't get free unless everybody is free along with me because that's how freedom works. It's just not freedom for black men and then everyone else still remains oppressed. But freedom, real actual freedom, means that everybody, all humanity, is operating on this level that we're all liberated. Mm-hmm. You better say it. If the black okay. trans woman is not free, nobody is free. That's exactly That's right. how it works. Oh, my okay. God. 
freedom for the girls. This has been so amazing. Right. Yes. Oh, my God. So I don't want to keep us going too long. We can continue going on and more and more. But I just want to wrap it up um, at this point. Um, Can you guys just give your final thoughts and your takeaways and some of the things you would like to see from our movement? And we've talked about that sort of already, but, like, if you want to, like, just be more specific in terms of what you're doing, and then um, after each one of you guys give that, then I'd like you guys to just go around and plug your various links and medias and stuff. So let's start with Yaya, um, your takeaways and stuff, and your final message, final thoughts. Okay. Um, basically, all I would have to say is what healing looks like would be, in my mind, to make sure we continue to uplift trans people, trans women, trans men, trans people of color, uplift their narrative, uplift our our love, and um, challenge these ideas and these um these these ideas of shame associated with trans people's bodies. Um, um challenge the transphobia that is that um happens in the public sphere, um, whether via online or offline. Make sure we are um, uplifting and always um, continuing to uplift trans people. And um, also let's um, be more instrumental in learning more about trans um, people as well because, you know, trans 101 is cute and all, it's kind, but, like, we should be having, like, way more dialogue with um, including trans people. We need to be included in all of these discussions surrounding black lives. I think that would be, like, the best, like, the best I could say. Mm, a shame. Mm-hmm. A jo- uh, George? Uh, I know for me going forward, um, I'm going to continue to do what I always do, which is I always do, uh, like, a self-assessment every night just to see where I went right, where I went wrong. Um, so for me, it always starts with checking myself. Because, you know, I'm I'm beautifully flawed, like I always say. So I, sometimes I have to check, like, did I fuck up over here? Did I make a mistake over here? Or where did I go wrong with this? So it's always about first checking yourself. I think the, the next thing is the next thing is uh, checking others. I think we got to make sure that we check other people um, when they're making these comments and when we get into these groups. And then maybe oh. checking my father, checking my mother, checking my friends, checking my frat brothers, you know, when they out here making these statements and uh, about trans sisters, and, you know, you, you, you hear them, they're like, oh, she, you know, yeah, she, she deserved that. She out here, uh, she tricking them. She knows she shouldn't have uh, told him that from John. And it's like, no, maybe you need to shut the up real quick because you, mm-hmm. you're just wilding. Like, you, whether mm-hmm. we just at the Black Lives Matter rally, like, we're, like, and now that's your next narrative is, is that. So I think it's definitely checking yourself and then checking others. Uh, third thing, writing writing our own narratives. I'm just huge on just putting whatever information I can put out there about myself, about my feelings, about um, my missteps uh, in life, about how going, you know, my, I even wrote about my experience growing up with a transgender cousin and how that made me feel back then versus how it makes me feel now, how much I've learned, how many times I've quit Google, um, you know, all of those things. And lastly, mm-hmm. not least, is creating the space so that we can all share our narratives, sharing all black stories 
across all black publications who, because there are still some very homophobic, transphobic black publications where we can't even get our narrative uh, pushed oh, or, or written in. Uh-huh. So, you know, I think it's about, you know, if it takes us creating our own space, that's great, but it's time, it's just time for them to remove that veil of silence and let our stories be heard to our major demographic. Mm-hmm. Mm, ah, shit, there was a lot in there. Mm. That was a lot. Frida, come through. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I think for me, it's just to continue doing what I'm doing and checking, <laughs> checking my side of the group and making sure that you know, as long when we're preaching equality and we're preaching like you know, black feminism and hip hop feminism and all that stuff that we're adding, you know, our trans women in there, we're adding our lesbian women in there, and just making sure that we're providing a space, not even providing a space, because you don't need me to provide anything for you, but we're just making a space where that everyone, everyone matters, and then just, just being there, continuing to educate the community, continuing to uplift the community, and show, like, there's nothing wrong with it, you know, we've mentioned Black Lives Matter, all Black Lives Matter, you know, and continually, like, bringing through the, to the forefront the way that trans women of color and the same way that black women, cisgender women of color, will, are being brutalized and beaten and sexually assaulted and all those things. And we're not going to be able to rest and say, hey, we've done something as a movement until we start protecting our women. So that's my goal. That's my focus. Mm. Absolutely. Uh, who, was, who was the last person? Zelly? Dad, forgot about me? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. I'm like, you know, I'm doing, I, I wear multiple hats on this show, so I'm like doing 10 things at once as you guys talk. I'm sorry, go ahead. No, that's good. Um, one of the things that I want to continue doing is using my platform and using my voice to amplify other people's voices, um, as well as checking myself, like George said, to see when I'm talking about Black Lives Matters or Trans Lives Matters, when am I actually showing up? Like, where's the actual work that I'm doing besides just, you know, saying these things, saying this rhetoric? Like, who am I organizing with? Who am I working with to make sure that these realities become into fruition? Absolutely. Um, can you guys just briefly go around and just give your links where folks can find you and contact you? Yeah, yeah, go. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at EJFeeks, um, I-D-E-E underscore F-I-X-E underscore, on, and Instagram at Goddess Aya. Right, and you have a new web page. Oh, I'm sorry. Check out my website com. If you need a harpist, hit me up. Right. You're a musician as well, a classical musician. Girl. Go. Speak that yeah, black girl. Right. Um, George, where can we folks find you? Uh, so my personal blog is, again, www.imgmjohnson.com. Uh, Twitter, the same, imgmjohnson.com. Uh, I write regu- regularly for musedmagonline.com and, uh, you know, trying to do some freelancing here and there, so... But I'm out here. Absolutely, Frida. So, um, definitely, I'm on Facebook, Frida Grant. 
Twitter, Jeffrey22, Instagram. I feel like it's Jeffrey22 as well. Everything is pretty much the same, but definitely go to my blog, www.somethingslightlyte.com. Spread the word. Follow it. It's still new. I'm working on it, but definitely come out, support. And if you're ever, you know, looking for me to come to your university, come to your organization, and, you know, continue, like, any of these conversations, just hit me up. I'm always around. Absolutely. And last but not least, no, we didn't forget about you, Mr. Zelly Imani. Yes. <laughs> you can find me. Erasure. On... Erasure. You can find me on Twitter at <laughs> Zelly Imani. You can find me on the web. My blog is black-culture.com. And you can find me in the trap. Yes. <laughs> Oh, okay. oh, 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 that deserves an ow. Where's my ow? Ow. Ow. Hey. Oh, my God, this has been so amazing, guys. Thank you so much for joining me on tonight's show. This has been just the start um, of just peeling a layer back. We didn't really, like, even – we couldn't get into as much as we wanted. But that wasn't the point. The point was just to get a conversation going and to hopefully foster it and continue – um, for folks to actually, like, move beyond the conversation and, like, actually start doing some of the things we talked about this evening. You guys brought up a lot of excellent points. Please follow all of them on their social media blogs, support their work, hire them, book them. Uh, let's do this. Um, please check out my Instagram videos at Love Goddess, and you can send a uh, booking request to katrinagoodlatt at gmail.com as I spark on this new uh, artistic venture of expression for me, uh, which is stand-up comedy. Check out my next episode in two weeks with artist Kay Barrett, amplifying the experiences of those queer and disabled. Guys, you have been so great. I'm going to play a song to close out. You can hang up if you want. If not, listen to the song. It is by our sister Coco Jones off her new EP. Coco has played with Whitney Houston, the Isley Brothers, and this woman is just so accomplished. She's part of t ambassadorship and she has a EP out called Who's That Lady and I'm going to play one of my favorite songs actually off the album. I haven't had a chance to play it on the show but it's called Treasure Tower. Um, Until next time just take care of each other, love each other, love up on a black trans woman. Ow. Good night Z. Good night Yaya. Good night night, Frida. Good night George. Good night. Good night. It's been a pleasure. Oh my god. So amazing. Ciao guys.
in the end you wonder 